Hello, my darlings. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland. I am your host. I don't know. I was <laughs> thinking about trying to find some sort of fancy adjective to put there. I am your host, Chauncey Haworth, and this is my sidekick, Sean. Hello. All right. So, uh, you know, tonight uh, is our show about uh, – we have a guest on, Craig Owens from Bazaar LA, the curator for BazaarLA.com, and he's written a book, uh, Haunted by History. And uh, he is basically into history, the paranormal, and photography. And his book, Haunted by History, is uh, sort of a collection of all of the above. That's, I mean, that's a good combination. If he was into history, paranormal, and dentistry, you know, you'd have a hard time making that work. It sounds absolutely terrifying, (laughs) I have to admit. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, other than Doc Holliday and maybe some crazy serial (laughs) killer, I'm not sure where to go with that one. But, um... You know, I I was actually born in Los Angeles. I I am a transplant from Los Angeles to Reading, and uh, I love Los Angeles. I, you know, I know it's not a popular thing to say in a uh, for the right wingers, but don't worry, the topic is going to be mostly about dead people in Los Angeles. So if you are on the right wing, you might enjoy yourself. Right wingers don't listen to us, or nope. do they? I, I, I don't I don't think they do. I, I don't think there's really any radio metrics. I don't <laughs> I don't really know if anybody's out there. So I'm basically, you know, talking to you. Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, you know, I, I love Los Angeles, of course, on a nostalgic level, but also because, you know, when I think about hauntings and ghosts and you think about history and the amount of people who have been in a specific area and how long they've been there. You know, this is a question that I've never really gotten an answer to from somebody. Does does every person leave a ghost or a residence, or is it just some that don't pass on? Yeah. Um, you know, so you would assume that in a place like Los Angeles, there would be a chalk, be a lot of a ghosts. ton of uh, you know, upset. Now, see from from reading stuff on on Spirit's website, you know, the Spirit people we right. had that that other time, and, yeah. and Melissa from Lockett. our con- conversations with them. And, you know, they seem as knowledgeable as, as a person could really be about these things. I Yeah, their own admission, you know, they're trying to figure out as, as well. Exactly. Yeah. Th- they didn't say anything explicit, but I, the vibe I kind of got from reading it was that, you know, maybe a lot of people leave spirits, but most of them only last a couple of days or, you know, something like I that. I see, as you the residents. They, they kind of dissipate. And it's yeah. only the really nasty ones in many cases that stick around. Yeah, well, there's this cool old movie, um, Nigel Neal, I think, he made the Quatermass series in, in England, and this movie's called The Stone Tape, and, like, it's really not about a ghost, but it's about the idea that if something horrific happens in a place, its experience can be etched onto the surroundings kind of like a record, mm-hmm. and that as life or wind or something passes through the area, it can really sort of play back the uh the experience so it was really kind of an interesting scientific take on yeah on on the paranormal but it, it does seem like a lot of ghost stories i've heard of begin with you know some tragedy that happened in this place right and then it's but that that can take a bunch of different forms it can be like oh this grave was disturbed you know there was this person resting peacefully and now there is a, a ghost because the grave was disturbed 
or, you know, a murder happened in this house or something. Yeah, but the first one implies that they're laying there throughout all of, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, maybe the ghost is sleeping or it crosses over back from wherever right, it was. Right, Who right. knows? But. It felt a disturbance in the, uh, like somebody unmade its bed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I definitely love Los Angeles. A lot of great uh, memories for me there. One of my favorite movies, although not horrific at all, is uh, L.A. Story. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but great Steve Martin movie. Uh, Colin, if you've seen L.A. Story, we'll, well just talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's there's lots of romance towards people's cities. You know, um, mm-hmm. lots of people feel this way, and, and they love their city. And, and I feel like Craig really loves his city that he's in, and at least enough to to want to know more about it, you know? So do you have these feelings towards Redding? Do you want to find out all um, that Redding has to offer, what secret nooks and crannies may be out there? Honestly, if I dis- were to discover that there were, like, a bunch of scythe-wielding zombie hillbillies <laughs> in the Iron Mountain Mine or something, and, you know, they're just living in there, mm. I would be like, oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't be that weird to find supernatural stuff in Redding, because this is exactly the sort of town that, <laughs> that like, lots of Stephen King novels are set in, for example. Oh, yeah. You, you know, so? it's, yeah. this is kind of the type of setting you would come up with if you wanted to say, we have the small town, and then evil crept in. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So. Yeah. So it wouldn't be surprising. Well, there is a lot of history here, and probably, you know, uh, given Gold Rush and um, people spreading out from the Bay Area as as uh, workers came in for, you know, all sorts of building projects and stuff like that. So there's I mean, probably a fair amount of uh, ghostliness going on here. The in backyard of the place I grew up, there's evidence of placer mining and, like, graves. Of miners. Awesome. Yes. Very polter, <laughs> very poltergeisty. Yeah, which is funny because we just played in that area and actually, like, for hide and seek, hid in what I now understand to be, like, shallow graves. Oh. <laughs> and I only discovered that, like, when I was in college. Like, oh, really? <laughs> That's, That's funny. <laughs> retroactively very morbid. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I think we discussed on a previous show if it's morbid and weird, we were drawn to it, so. This is true. All right. You are listening to Radio Wasteland. And when we come back, we have our guest, Craig Owens, photographer, paranormal investigator, and historian.
I don't want to stay in tonight and watch Death Wish 3 fall asleep with pizza crumbs on my clothes. So put away that hash pipe, the pornography, and the booze, because tonight we're going to the Anaheim House of Blues. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Craig Owens. Craig, do we have you on the phone there? Yes, you do. How are you? Not bad. How are you? How's your reception going from where you're at? Oh, I, I think it's fine. I hear you guys okay. Good, uh, good. I'm calling from the Queen Mary in Long Beach. So. Yeah, that's really exciting. You know, uh, we were just talking about it. And uh, let me introduce you first, Craig. Um, you know, Craig Owens is uh, the upcoming author of Haunted by History and the curator of uh, BizarreLA.com. Totally worth checking out if uh, if you're interested. You know, Bizarre LA uh, is more than just about, you know, it's more just about crazy old stories from the area, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love well, the imagery you have on there. Yeah, Bizarre Los Angeles actually started uh, as a Facebook page around 2009, 2010, and I was expecting my third child. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was grounded at home waiting for that call. <laughs> so I needed something to do to kind of settle my nerves and occupy my time. And I'd always been uh, hoarding a bunch of old Hollywood stories and Los Angeles history. And obviously I was interested in the paranormal even back then. So uh, I just decided I would just do like a big knowledge dump. Right. And I never advertised. I just started this page and it, it, it grew organically uh, to the point where I have roughly around 15,000 followers on Facebook alone. And then Bizarre LA is kind of the best of Bizarre Los Angeles on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, except for I've opened a store and I... I hope to get back into more of the exclusive paranormal reports about certain locations in Los Angeles and Southern California. Right. Well, why don't you tell us what you're doing right now at the Queen Mary? Why are you there? Well, the Queen Mary is actually one of the haunted hotels that are covered in my uh, book project, Haunted by History. It's actually going to be in Volume 2, which hopefully will be out either at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, hopefully by the end of this year. Uh, it is Part 2, and what I did is I took 16 hotels, uh, and in figuring out which hotel goes in which book, I did it in chronological order of when the hotel was built or when it opened. So the Queen Mary comes, is, is probably the newest of the haunted hotels covered. Uh, and it was in the mid-1930s when, you know, it first uh, set sail. But the Queen Mary, of course, is one of the most haunted places in North America, the United States. It, it's very well known throughout the world, not just for its history, but for its ghost history. And uh, much of, there's a lot of confusion as to which is what when it comes to not only the legend of the ship, but also the legend behind the ghosts. <clears throat> yeah, you were telling me uh, when last we spoke, you were telling me that that uh, the Queen Mary seemed to, on a marketing level, really sort of hesitate pushing the ghosts for quite some time. And then uh, when they did, it, it worked out. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's actually what's interesting about the Queen Mary is that 
you know, I've been able to trace the ghost stories at least back to the late 1950s, and it's shocking how many of the same, how similar the ghost stories uh, from the 1950s are, are. There's a similarity to the ghost stories that people are talking about and discussing, and even experiencing today. Um, then, when it, you know, obviously it came to Long Beach in 1967 and was docked, and a lot of it was changed uh, between 1968 and about 1971, 1972. And uh, at first, the ghosts became a topic of conversation then the city of long beach decided that this wasn't such a great idea we don't really want to talk about the ghosts uh so they tried to put a no ghost policy in place uh for the night through much of the 1970s however when (laughs) the ship opened uh as an attraction in 1972 what was happening were there were a lot of people coming to visit but they were only coming to visit one time they just weren't that impressed with the Queen Mary. Much of it had been gutted and was off limits to uh, to tourists. They had opened up a Jacques Cousteau Living Sea Museum that did okay at first, but then people tired of it. They wanted to see the old parts of the ship that were long gone. Mm-hmm. And ironically enough, after m- multiple attempts to jump-start its marketing, they finally went back to ghosts. And that turned out to be the one marketing strategy that kept bringing people back more than one time. In fact, it, it brings me back. I mean, I think this is my 10th time on the ship. And if it weren't haunted, I don't know that I'd, I would have been here that many times. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. That's, I mean, that's I've been there before, and that's why I want to go back. Yeah, isn't there, uh, so when I was there, I was I was pretty little. And um, I seem to remember some story, maybe you don't know this, so I'm throwing this at you out of the blue. Uh, some story about the bulkheads and the front breaking and people dying there. And that was kind yeah. of the famous story that was kind of hopping to my mind when I think of the Queen Mary. Yes. The, uh, I want to say, and I don't know the exact date offhand. I, I discussed it in the chapter. It's a very well-known story. But on one of the trips when the, the Queen Mary was taking troops to Scotland, I believe, right off the uh, the coast of Ireland, uh, oftentimes there would be an escort that would meet the Queen Mary and more or less take it into port uh, in Scotland where the, the soldiers would then disembark. And during one of those trips, uh, there was a ship called the Kurosawa. It was a smaller uh, scout ship, and, you know, the Queen Mary was zigzagging, and the other ships were zigzagging. Everyone's zigzagging. Um, however, the Kurosawa and the Queen Mary zigged when they should have zagged, and the Kurosawa couldn't get away from the Queen Mary in time, and the Queen Mary had uh, orders not to stop for anyone, for anything. They had to make it to port safely, and so it ended up splitting the Kurosawa in half, um, there was pretty high casualties, and the Queen Mary had to just keep plowing through, literally, to to get to the shore and leave this sunken, sinking vessel behind. People, men crying out for help, and 
some of them I believe were in time rescued, but uh, the uh, once again the fatality, fatalities were high, and this was kept a secret for many years, uh, top secret, and the Queen Mary was badly damaged. Um, it had a big dent. In fact, I have a photo that's in my book of, of the dent uh, of that happened from that collision. And, you know, the, the Queen Mary made it to port, and then it went back to the United States. And I want to say it went into a shipping yard in Chicago, and they had to repair that that front hull before it could sail again. So do you find that this is one of those stories where the a lot of these sightings seem to coincide with this historical event? Well, that's what people say. Uh, one of the first ghost stories to come out of 1967 was uh, it was actually a ship engineer for Kennard. He was an American. And when it was parked at the Queen Mary, uh, he claimed that during his you know, when he would tour the ship, they they had certain people staying on the ship, and they're kind of like cura- curators or, or uh, security. You know, they just kind of watched out for the ship. They had to have someone on board, mm-hmm. uh, even though it was no longer active. And while he was making his rounds late at night, he had heard the sound of creaking metal, uh, men's voices crying out, and the sound of water rushing in. And he, I believe it was lasted about a minute, and then it just disappeared. And he had heard it more than one time, and he started telling the stories behind it to, to, to other people. So the story caught traction. Then in the late 1980s, I want to say 1988, um, Unsolved Mysteries did an investigation of the Queen Mary, and one of the parapsychologist was a man who's no longer living, but it was Dr. Roll. And uh, Dr. Roll, William Roll, I believe was his name, he actually had set up a lot of audio equipment in that part of the ship, and they did capture something that sounded similar to what uh, this this last engineer, this crewman, had heard. Um, It was the sound of what appeared to be male, a male voice or male voices calling out the clanging of metal and the sound of water running or entering. I'm going to, I'm going to have to try to find that recording so that I can hear it at some point. Um, so, um, Craig, we're coming up on break here. Uh, so there'll be a, a couple few minutes here. Um, I hope you're going to stay with us. Oh, sure. All right. And, uh, you are listening to radio wasteland with our guest, Craig Owen. And we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Craig Owens. Uh, you know, we have a lot of guests on this show, and a lot of them deal with paranormal stuff. But, uh, you know, Craig, I, I think you are our very first guest that has such a strong um, interest in history. And I have to admit that your um, wealth of immediate go-to knowledge for these topics is is quite impressive. You were yeah, you were naming dates off the top of your head in that last segment, which unless you have like a notebook in front of you with just everything you know. Yeah. It yeah. is very very impressive. Absolutely. And actually either way it's impressive. It is. It is. I agree. So, um, you know, I feel like we could probably talk about the Queen Mary all night long, but that's not actually what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about although it's a part of your book is your upcoming book um Haunted by History. Um, my wife is very excited. She has been harassing me to get her a copy of this uh, so that she can read it because she's a big history fan. And, um, you know, I've been kind of curious about the process that you went through to write this book because I know you're interested in the paranormal. You're interested in history and in photography. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, sure. Uh, the process that I use, well, uh Let's see. The best way to probably start is that this all happened by accident. <laughs> all the best um, things do. I was doing a, I was doing a photo shoot in Riverside, uh, at the Mission Inn. I had heard that it was haunted, but uh, I was actually doing a vintage style silent film photo shoot. Well, something happened that disrupted the shoot. Uh, in fact, I had finally saw my first ghost, which I never thought I would ever see. And, and quite frankly, it was a shadow person, which I didn't even believe in at the time. So I had to reevaluate a lot of things at that point. I was always a believer, but kind of a reluctant one, you know. Um, That's where I put myself as well, kind of a reluctant believer. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the next question is, well, what is it? Why would it be haunting? What, what was it about that location where I had... Uh, where I had seen it. And of course there's all kinds of legends. Um, and you know, which one was true, which one wasn't. Um, I started going to other hotels, you know, Southern California, in fact, all of California, but you know, Southern California as well, uh, has tons of haunted, uh, hotels and ghost legends. Uh, some of them I had heard and that I actually believed, but when I started shooting there, um, I, I started renting these haunted rooms in order to kind of test to see whether or not the stories are true or not. So then I went back and I decided to research the history to see if there really was uh, a link between history and ghosts. Are, is the paranormal nothing more than a piece of history that's left behind somehow and is actually... Uh, makes itself known from time to time. Well, I definitely found and, that interesting about your process because when you explained it to me, you know, I, I found that really interesting because I've often thought like, is the paranormal sort of an echo of the history that happened there or is it, uh, merely, um, urban legend that, that carries on? So when you said that you compared the history to, to the stories to see where the correlations lie. I, I definitely uh, found myself drawn to that idea. I think it's it's a great idea. If there were any correlations at all, some, uh, sometimes there's no correlation, and the, I point that out. Uh, oftentimes, you know, people will 
want to try to explain why a place is haunted or why a room is haunted. And, you know, a lot of these ghost legends, if you really look at it, they're all built on a kind of a moral value lesson. Like a cautionary you know, don't tale. Don't live this way or this will happen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, vice gets, you know, is prevalent in a lot of the ghost legends. Uh, suddenly places become brothels when there really is no history that they were brothels. <laughs> I've wondered you know? about that. It seems like every place in Reading that somebody says, oh, this place was haunted. It used to be a brothel. I'm just, oh, man, there were a lot oh, yeah. of brothels Late, around here. Ladies of the night ghosts are, you know, prevalent. <laughs> and you start seeing these repeated patterns. So, you know, the question is, well, how many of these are actually true? I mean, it's real easy to jump to conclusions that if this hotel was open during prohibition that it had to have a speakeasy you know uh or or something to that effect or mafia you know mafiosos took over this place and and uh you know the question is how true is that and um the believe it or not there's enough circumstantial evidence that will usually point you in the direction well this could possibly be or this definitely did not happen Right, and a lot of owners, when they buy these properties, they'll have heard the ghost legends, and some of them actually believed it. So it was quite a surprise when I actually came back to them and provided them with the correct answers. Um, oftentimes, I found out that maybe the date that the building was built was incorrect. Hmm. You know that it had been promoted and marketed in the local historians, and you know they had long ago thought that. You know, something was built in, like, say, 1897, and then I find out that it was actually built five years apart from that from that date. And these are examples of just some of the, the fun things that I, I found and stumbled across through uh, the years of research. So when you, go, I, when you go and stay at one of these places, do you, you know, I'm, I'm wondering what... Um, do you take people with you to help corroborate? Do you do you help? Do you take maybe somebody who maybe would be considered a more scientific ghost researcher or maybe a more clairvoyant ghost researcher? Do you try to take people with you? Well, um, I as far as like psychics go, mm-hmm. no, I, I actually <laughs> try to stay away from that. Um, now, if if one of the models or someone that I've hired to participate in the photo shoot. If they're sensitive or they or they think they have this ability, um, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'll listen to whatever they have to say. But you know, it really anything that any impression that they might have, it really has to have some kind of corroboration via history or what some other author wrote, um, providing that they they also provided footnotes that I could. You know, so the look. people the people um, you take with you are really just the people that you're hiring for the photo shoot. Yes. Well, I think that's uh, actually probably the least yeah. biased of people that you could take with you to get an experience who are not expecting necessarily right, to encounter yeah. a ghost. Though th- this does make me think now you you go to this original photo shoot, you see a shadow person, which I think is awesome cuz shadow people <laughs> are just really cool. But then you go to a bunch of other potentially haunted places. How many ghosts have you seen at this point? I mean, 
you, you would think you would rack up a fair few after visiting all of these haunted places. Actually, no. Um, I don't see that many ghosts. And, and, um, so really just oddly enough that I, 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 I'm pretty sure I saw one, possibly two at the Mission Inn on two separate occasions. Mm -hmm. I always Mm -hmm. joke that the Mission Inn is the only place where I ever see ghosts, uh, (laughs) in any place that I've ever been to. As Um, long as you see one, one somewhere, that means that they're out there, (laughs) you know. Yes, and again, I I thought I would go through life being one of those that never saw, never yeah. saw a ghost, um, and so it it was it was quite an experience. It's something you'll never forget when it happens. Uh, that's for sure. And I, I think when I got home, I slept with the light on for ten days, uh, <laughs> and I was writing everyone I knew, I knew that might know anything about shadow people. Going, what is a shadow person exactly? You know, what? does it follow you home? Uh, what was you know, the situation? And, I mean, do you mind telling us a little bit about that encounter? Yeah, was it just in passing, or was it? Um... Okay, the well, what what ended up happening is uh, I'll try to get to it as brief as I can. <laughs> when I I first rented a suite at the Mission Inn, on uh, I didn't know that I was renting a haunted suite. There was nothing about anything published online about it. But my first full day there, I heard someone moving around inside the bathroom. I heard women's feet clunking, you know, across the uh, upper floor of the suite that I was staying in. And and it sounded like someone dropping coins on a wooden table, one after the other. Bang, 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 bang. But more importantly is after I heard the woman clomping, I was trying to ignore all of this stuff while just trying to send a simple email to somebody. And I finally ended it by saying, I think I've got to go. See you later. Bye. More later. And uh, so I grabbed a recorder. I went up and I actually recorded a female voice, despite the fact that I didn't hear anything over 10 minutes. So that got me perked right then. Then two nights later, I switched to another suite. And it was a very popular suite at the mission. And it was called the Alhambra Mirador. And I could not stand that room there was something very heavy about it maybe i I thought i was craig i'm sorry to cut you off but we're coming up on break it'll be two or three minutes and i'm sorry to cut you off we're coming up on break um it'll be two or three minutes um but i'd like to hear the end of this story you're listening to radio wasteland Welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Craig, I'm sorry that we cut you off for the break there. You were telling us your story about the, the first time that you, that you experienced this, this shadow person. 
Um, you know, we have to pay the bills and go to the stupid commercials. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's what I get for rambling. Right. Sorry, uh, no, no, no. Rambling is what this show's all about. We got no problem <laughs> okay. with rambling. Well, yeah, uh, just to recap, I had already be- began to experience what I felt was paranormal activity. So I was already having my photo shoot somewhat disrupted, and my mind started wandering about the ghosts. Well, I had moved to another suite on the last night uh, shooting. It was like a $1,000 a night suite. It, it, it was large and very popular, but something very heavy about that space that made me feel very uneasy, and I never could get comfortable, and I always felt like the shoe was about to drop. The next shoe was about to drop. I don't know where. I don't know when, but I was literally on edge. It made, me, it, made it difficult to actually take photos. Because you're always, uh, I found myself constantly looking over my shoulder. Something unusual happened right when we had moved in, and I was under the table trying to hook up the internet to my laptop, and then suddenly we heard a real, uh, the model and I heard a bang really loud from the next room, the main room, the den. And I couldn't see it, but she turned a little pale from what she saw. And she turned to me and said, you know, there was a glass of water next to a plastic bottle of water sitting on a table. The water in the plastic bottle was still, but the water inside the glass was swishing around Hmm. as if someone had tipped that glass and it almost tipped it over. Hmm. And so we all kind of knew something was up <laughs> when <Right>. you, something <laughs> like that happened when when the water's disturbed in one glass and then the bottle it's not disturbed right, right next to it so about midnight after trying to shoot and just having all kinds of struggles i get a phone call and so i excuse myself in the suite and i go out into the courtyard on the top floor of the mission inn and 15 minutes later i'm walking back across the courtyard, and something catches my eye to the left of me. And it's an open-mouthed hallway that looks a little like a dungeon. It has It's well lit, but it's all made out of brick, and it's a round, open, open-ended tunnel. You go through that tunnel and, and go through a glass door, and you're basically inside the mission. So I'm looking down that tunnel, trying to figure out what caught my eye, and I wasn't really seeing anything that I thought was suspicious at first. It was like, okay, you know, there's shadow caused by the brick. Uh, there's no misty things. I can see right through the glass door into the building, and then there's the shadow. Uh, and then I went back and took inventory again. Something's bugging me. So, But when I get back to that shadow on to the right, I, just around the time I started thinking, what is causing that shadow? It suddenly whipped back and disappeared around an alcove. So I had been staring at it for a good three, four seconds direct, directly. And it was about five foot two, five foot three. It, I can't say it looked human. It looked somewhat human-like. It did look like someone in a cow, which I found out that's a very common observation uh that's a very common description of a shadow figure or shadow person um i did not know this at the time uh but i thought it looked 
sort of like someone in a cowl wearing like a, a Franciscan habit or something. Um, and it moved very fast, but it looked like it had been peeking around the corner from this alcove at me. The only other description I can actually give uh, about it is that what had caught my eye eventually about it was I was beginning to notice that this shadow was blacker than all the other shadows. I mean, it was a very inky, blacker-than-black right. color or lack of color. Uh, that sounds uh, the, absolutely terrifying. The other terrifying. thing that struck That's me so is cool. it, it looked two-dimensional. Hmm. So it really was what I would call matrixing in reverse uh, because I literally, my brain literally had interpreted it that is, until it whipped around a corner. I see. And so I was standing there like a deer in headlights for about two, three seconds. I'll, I'll admit that because I, I had never seen anything like that before. And I was the only one up on that floor. This was August 2009. It was like 110 degrees, you know, in Riverside during that, that month. And it was during the Great Recession. So, you know, when I later asked, who was staying up on that fourth floor, uh, I was told by the hotel, literally, that I was the only one staying up there. Strangely enough, after I had seen that shadow person, other disturbances continued throughout the night. Uh, what was weird is that it, it kept sounding like footsteps uh, overhead, even though we are the top floor. There's nothing above us. And a couple of times I had actually gone outside of the suite and looked around because I thought someone's pulling a prank on me. Someone's throwing things onto the roof. Um, but once again, no one was around and there really wasn't anything that you could throw that would be heavy enough to have made those kind of sounds. That is I absolutely should... terrifying. I, yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I hope to be, um, in that situation more you know i've I've dreamt of doing what you do and staying in these hotels and and my wife says absolutely no way so it looks like it's <laughs> going to be sean and i um but um we're coming up on the end of the show here and i i would like uh you to tell people how they can get in touch with you find out more about you get your book oh sure well you can find me um on you can actually order the the book through my website it's bizarrela.com Haunted by History, Volume 1. I believe it should be in my hand by July of 2017. It features eight hotels, uh, the Hotel Del Coronado being one of the well-known ones. I, I discuss the mission in the history. I also talk about the shadow figure story that you just heard. <laughs> um, then there's the Glen Tavern Inn. Uh, I cover a place on, at Catalina Island. It's kind of a, a small um, selection of bed and breakfast and hotels. Uh, you can also find me on Bizarre underscore Los underscore Angeles on Instagram. And on Facebook, you can follow me on Bizarre Los Angeles as well. I see. But Bizarre LA is really, BizarreLA.com is really a good hub for finding you all over the place, right? That, yes. And I do answer I do answer, you know, emails. You can contact me. Uh, if you have a ghost story about one of these places, obviously I'd love to, to hear it. Um, 
and uh, maybe when w- once we uh, establish a rapport, we can, you know, we could we can uh, exchange stories. I would love that. I I have really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, you've been a great guest. Um, for those who don't know, I've been talking to Craig a couple few times on the phone uh, coming up to this show, and I, I swear our phone conversations are as long as this show has been because we're talking about these great topics and your great stories, and uh, I will definitely be on purchasing that book. And when that book comes out, I'd love it if you came on our show again and we talked a little bit about it. Well, I would love that. Well, thank you very much, Craig. You've been listening to Radio Wasteland with our guest, Craig Owens.